I'm James Brian Smith. Welcome to the Things Above podcast. This is a podcast for what we call mind discipleship. It's a podcast for those who want to set their minds on things above. That's where the name of the podcast comes from, from Colossians 3, 1 and 2, where Paul encourages us to set our minds on things above. Setting our minds on good, beautiful, and true thoughts, on uplifting, encouraging, life-giving, biblically-based thoughts from above is not easy. And that is why we do this podcast, to provide for you in each episode a thought from above that you can dwell upon so that your heart will be warmed and you will become an epiphany of grace. Well, my guest today on the Things Above podcast to have a Things Above conversation is Farrell Mason. She is a writer, spiritual blogger, ordained minister, and mother of six children. We may have to talk about that. She holds a Master of Arts degree uh, from and business, actually, from the University of Manchester and a Master of Divinity with a concentration in theology and the arts from Vanderbilt University. And she is our guest today. Farrell, I'm so glad you're on the Things Above podcast. Well, I'm thrilled to be here. Thank you so much. I'm looking forward to our conversation. Yes. Well, so you've written this wonderful book. I, I got connected through someone we both know, uh, Elise, who says, suggested you be on the podcast. I, I wasn't aware of the book, but I'm glad that I am because it's a really, really great book. So uh, today we're going to talk about this book. It's called Soulful. That would be S-O-U-L-F-U-L-L, two words. You can say it as one, soulful, but soulful, a weekly devotional to nourish the mind, body, and spirit. And it is really, really good. Uh, I've been reading it and practicing it. And here's one little blurb about the book. Soulful is a gentle nudge to reorient our intentions and want more for our one precious life, a collection of spiritual reflections, recipes, activities, and prayers that come together as an encyclopedia of hope and spiritual direction. I don't know if you wrote that, Farrell, but that's a pretty good summation of what you're trying to do. So, uh, so yeah, so uh, <laughs> I, I asked this of every author on, on the podcast, uh, one basic question, which is, why did you write this book? A couple of years ago, kind of this question kept nudging me. Am I living the life that I want to live? And I was sitting in the pew um, of a funeral for a very dear friend who died much too early, 40 years old with three kids um, from colon cancer, my friend Izzy. And I realized sitting there that I operated on the premise that I would always have more time, uh, more time to live the life that I knew in my spirit and my soul that I wanted to live. And, and so I just kind of had a little internal reckoning that um, I, I didn't want to just make it through here. Mary Oliver says, you know, that we're gifted with this one wild and precious life. And instead of just making it through, crossing the T's and dotting the I's, I wanted my experience to be sacred. And I wanted it to, I wanted to have a meaningful life. So that scripture from John that I love, and I know that you, you've spoken about um, on your podcast before, John 10, 10, mm -hmm. um, where Jesus said, I came so you would have life and life in full. And so it's that word full 
that kind of now has taken me on the path of my life. What does Jesus mean to live a life that is full? And it's a really big word that has so many definitions. It completely expands. I feel like with every turn that I make in my life, every step forward, I feel like the definition gets, just gets bigger and richer and, and more meaningful. And, and so that's why, you know, the title for the book, Soul and then Full, because I definitely think there's a different way to do this life than the way that maybe our culture is encouraging us to do it. I think that our soul is pretty intuitive. And if we'll listen to it, um, it leads us in a t completely different way. Mm. That is so good. Okay. Here's a weird thing about today. Okay. You, this is weird, Farrell. I'm wearing a t-shirt that says fully alive, John 10, 10. Oh, Okay. Isn't that weird? Well, yes. so our, yeah, our campus ministries, that's the theme of the, of the chapels this year. And so they're, they're talking about that and they're part of that. And so I went in and I just stole one. No, I didn't. <laughs> I didn't actually steal it. I, I actually asked the chaplain. He was well, very- Well, maybe you I, could send me one. I should send you one. You should yes. send me one. I love okay, it. Okay. There we go. It. So how cool is that? So yeah, John 10, 10, what an important- So you, you basically were in a place that said, look, I don't want to just survive with the time I have, I want to thrive. I want my life to be full. And yeah, so that... I, mean, I want my life to feel really nourished. I, mm -hmm. want, to, I want it to feel creative and, and full of beauty and joy. You know, um, another thing I say, you know, uh, about the book and, and is really important to, important to me is, you know, I think every single one of us, every single day needs hope to do this mm -hmm. life. And so, you know, Soulful was born from that premise that I really want for myself and for my family and for my loved ones and my friends and my church, but also those that I have not actually crossed paths with, I want them to live, live with hope. Mm -hmm. I think God has given us a pretty tremendous experience here, and it is definitely not perfect very imperfect actually. And, and it can break our hearts a lot of the time, but it also is a pretty incredible, rich, beautiful experience here on earth. Well, you're using all of my favorite words, Farrell. <laughs> Beauty, joy. I mean, yeah, these, these are significant words um, for me. If you listen to this podcast and our listeners, many of them are, are that are longtime listeners are going, oh, Jim says this all the time. Like he's always talking about beauty and joy and the soul. And so um, you might be the poster child for this podcast right now. You might be. I love it. You know, I just wish we were in the same place. I'm having, I just made chocolate chip cookies. I'm having a cookie and a cup of tea, which is. Oh, is come heaven. on. It's heaven for me right now. I but it's not a right. matcha latte, is it? Because I, that's one of your recipes. No, it's not. But I had that already today. Okay. There you go. <laughs> I tried your recipe, by the way. Since we're on it, we should just cover that now. I'm a big matcha latte guy, and uh, I tried your recipe. Okay, do you I, like I it? I prefer mine, yes. Oh, well, what's I, I yours? Do. Maybe well, I should... Well, I like... Oh, well, I, there's a coffee shop that I go to, and they make it with oat milk and vanilla, and it's this fresh vanilla that they have. It's That's pretty amazing. But yours is great, too. I'm, I'm a big fan okay. of honey. We're, we're digressing. Here we go. Okay. okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> all right. So your book is called Soul Full. You've said the word soul four or five times, I think, already. So let's talk about that because the soul is one of those 
it's a word we say a lot. It's in our language. You're talking about soul music and soul food and soul mate. It's, it's a big part of our vocabulary. But yeah, I find not many people have a very good definition or understanding of the soul. Talk a, a little bit about the soul. Why, you, why did you choose to make that? Well, it's part of the title. Well, it is part of the title. And, um, you know, I, I love Thomas Merton. I'm sure you're familiar yes. with Thomas Merton. And um, he says the soul is the pure glory of God in us. Mm. And so I think that's a that's a quick way of, of saying it. I would say the soul is the good, the beauty, the love, the hope, the light, the eternal, the resilient. Um, really, it's God in us. It's um, the part of us that I believe can't be tainted by the world. It's a part of us that is really untouched by age. It's untouched by illness. It's untouched by our culture and our world. And it's our compass. It's our intuition. It's, uh, it's the best in us. And um, I think it's the part of us that lives on. Yeah, absolutely. My, I, would, I would concur with all of that. Um, I'm a, I got to study and work many years with Dallas Willard and um, he would talk a great deal about the soul and many of the things you're saying uh, fit perfectly with, with that. Um, yeah, I believe that it's, that we're unceasing spiritual beings and the soul is eternal. And yeah, I, I love that. And I, and I, I think the, I would probably maybe say it's slightly different than you. I'm not disagreeing, but I might put a little different accent and say that some of those things you mentioned, like beauty, goodness, truth, the transcendentals are longings that are built into the soul that we, we innately are drawn to those things and, and that our spirit, which is a part of our soul, is also designed to be in relationship with God. So, which your book does all of that. Like it, it covers all of these things in, in beautiful ways. So thanks for talking about that. Because a lot of people, you, you ask them to talk about the soul and they just draw a blank and say, I don't know. But, you know, but you've well, given like good words. I feel like it's the hopeful part about us. For right? sure. I feel like... Yeah. Um, you know, the world outside outside us, um, you know, like I said, it, 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 it is so complex. It can break our hearts. It's very unpredictable. It's very fragile. And I feel like knowing that we do have this, this one part in us that's eternal, that is of God, that gives me hope. Yeah, for sure. Well, I mean, I, I, you, you quoted Merton, so I'll quote one of my favorites, uh, John O'Donohue. He's a Celtic. Oh, I love writer. John O'Donohue better yeah, than anything. It, he has that that wild sentence where he says, "For the for, for the soul, death is an adventure." And you just go, "Wait, what?" Oh, I love that so much. Uh, yeah, I actually just... use that in a funeral of a very dear friend because I, I do. I, I that I relate to that. It's you know this this life unending. You know, yeah, it's just a really beautiful thought. And, and you mentioned hope, and I mean that gives hope, right? To think that no matter what, like that the soul still can even even face death as an adventure, which is. Yeah, amazing. Oh, I think God has infinite adventure ahead for us. Yes, absolutely. And ongoing. I, I think I, I talk a lot about heaven as well. And well, I think we most Christians have pretty low views of heaven, you know, that it's going to be like we're floating on a cloud with a harp or something. But to, to think that we'll be endlessly creative and it'll be an adventure, that just seems better. Like it just fits. Nice. Yeah. Okay. So let's go right to one of my favorite sentences in the book. You put it in bold, so I like that. Uh, I've been reflecting on it, but you talked about uh, you talk about how imperfect lives can be holy. Imperfect lives can be holy. Say say more about that. 
Well, I mean, it's just my reality. I, you know, I, I am a mother of six children. Uh, we have, we used to have four dogs. Sadly, one passed away this spring. So we now have three dogs. I have about 50,000 bees in the front yard. And sometimes we have a fish if we can keep it alive. And, and so really my life is, is what I say is Grand Central Station. Um, it's, it's, you never know quite what's going to happen when you come into the Mason household or what the, how the day is going to unfold. And, um, that means it's not perfect. And it means that, you know, there are probably less than stellar moments. I mean, I, I am a working mother and, and, um, it's a busy place over here. And, um, and I realized that it sets me free to even just vocalize that, that my imperfect life um, can still be holy. Mm. And, um, and that's down to the breath, that's down to um, the day ahead. Um, that, you know, all, already today, it's, you know, there have been little hiccups today since, since we all woke up at six o'clock this morning. And it doesn't mean that this isn't going to be a holy day. Mm. Um, and, and I'm really curious. I, I think as I have had more experiences on this planet, I'm curious and, and I anticipate what that can look like. What, what, what would make a day that is imperfect, a life that's imperfect, holy? And, you know, I, I, I think there are a lot of ways to look at that. I think a life that is filled with beauty, and, and I do believe God gives us infinite ways um, to experience beauty on a daily basis, whether it's a walk in nature or listening to music or a conversation with a friend, an interaction with your pet. I mean, there are all these ways that we can experience beauty in a given day and obviously joy and, and um, nudges of hope. And I think that a holy life that's imperfect is, is a life that is known by its resilience that's a really important part of mm. what the soulful life is for me, um, because it is my life. Um, it's this, this idea of, you know, I've had to be resilient. Um, I've had to rise in the face of, you know, some pr pretty tremendous adversity. And, and that I now see really does make for a holy life. Mm. Um, I think we're built to rise and that's part of, you know, it is, especially when you get knocked at the knees or the rug is pulled out from underneath you and, and life is, you feel it in every cell of your body, how imperfect this world is and, and our lives are, that, that you can still have these glimmers of holiness. Mm. Would you mind talking a little bit about when the rug was pulled out for you and you were brought to your knees and what, what that was in your experience? Yeah, I mean, I have quite a, I've got a little bit of a resume there and, and, you know, it kind of started um, with September 11th. We lived downtown and worked downtown in September 11th. And so that was kind of the first kind of jarring moment to my spirit. Uh, a year later, my first son was diagnosed with stage four cancer in the bone and the brain on Christmas day. Uh, so we did two years of treatment at Sloan Kettering in New York city. We moved to Nashville and that's when I started divinity school at Vanderbilt and you know, there's just been over pretty much every single year, a significant loss of someone that was integral to the fabric of my being, um, someone that added, you know, real life 
to my own personal life. And, you know, I had a friend that committed suicide tragically, and I've lost um, some really dear friends much too early to cancer. And I mean, just recently, I'm sure, you know, in Nashville, I mean, the school shooting, I mean, that was less than a mile from my house and it touched people that are very close to me, um, one of which actually lost their child. And, um, and so I've been very much um, woven into their lives. And, and so that resilient part of me, what I've seen in this trajectory of my life is that, is that we are built, built to resurrect. Um, I love the, the poet Wendell Berry. He says at the end of one of his poems, practice resurrection. Yeah. And I just love that because, you know, the soulful life is an intentional life. It's not something that you're just blessed to go have the soulful life. I think it is a choice. It's a choice to take your fill of beauty in a day. It's a choice to work on having peace, in, in, internal peace. It's a choice to work on your relationships. I mean, we know how, how wonderful, but also how challenging our relationships are. I mean, that's a big part of the soulful life is, is relationships. Yeah. You've been through deep waters. No question about that. I, I resonate and listeners who listen to this regularly, you know, in my own journey too, we lost a child when she was two and mm-hmm. uh, she was born with a chromosomal translocation and lived in hospitals for a couple of years. And then a good friend, Rich Mullins died in a car wreck and he was actually on his way back to Wichita. And so, yeah. And then my mom died. I mean, just a series of losses and like you, it just so many that just, you have to practice resurrection and. And there's nothing easy about that. And, and that's, you know, I think just working in ministry, especially to see that, you know, it's not like you just say, okay, I'm going to rise and I'm going to move forward, and I'm going to resurrect. No, it's like bone, blood, sweat, tears. It's Mm -hmm. friends helping you. It's prayer. It's God. It's, you know, it's time. And it's, it's a willing little spirit in there to keep that flicker, to keep that flicker fanned. Um, It's definitely work. Yeah. I know it just is two words, practice resurrection, but it, it is, it is definitely work. Yeah, it's work and all the resources that you mentioned. It's the friends, it's the people. I'm sure you've gotten this question. I've got it a lot was, well, how, how did you, you know, keep your faith? How did you keep going? How did you still believe in God or trust God all that, through that? And I think your answer is perfect. It's all of those things come together. It's not one, but a number of things happen that keep you going and little, little tiny resurrections in the form of someone doing an act of kindness and um, major things that people do and ways God reaches us in miraculous ways in the midst of it. So, yes. I kind of say it's like I I live glimmer to glimmer. Oh, that's nice. You know, this it's because I do believe if your heart is open and your ears are listening and your eyes are open, that that God will give you these little glimmers to help you along. That's good. I'm going to steal that and (laughs) I'll decide if I'm going to quote you. No, I'm an academic. I have to footnote you. That's good. That's really good. Well, it is a choice. And that brings me to the next question. So I love what you, you talk about the importance of our minds in, in our, in keeping, keeping our souls full in our formation and all that. Um, And this, this podcast is built on Colossians three, you know, set your mind on things above. That's a choice to set our minds on things above. And so talk about the mind because 
we don't always talk about that a lot in formation, not just, well, we say read the Bible more maybe, but um, how, how, how does that work for you in your own living soulfully? For me, it's a sense of uh, looking for God in all things. Mm. And, and so that, that kind of manifests in many different ways and, and, and definitely usually kind of in a different way, maybe every day. But this sense of um, me being very open to thinking on scripture, thinking on art and poetry, and, and which is, really moves me, music, conversations, uh, things that I hear. I mean, I feel like my mind, you know, your heart too, but I think your mind is the first thing that comes to, um, comes to the table. And so really keeping my mind sharp and open to how I see God in all things. I love that because, uh, again, you know, in, in in my upbringing, which is in the evangelical church, it was always just, well, I'll just read the Bible more. But, and that's great, but I love how you're talking about, well, it's also noticing where God's at work in in, in some, something else, a, a, a poem or or nature or a conversation. Those are, those are, it's just keeping your minds open to where is God uh, speaking right now, glimmer to glimmer, right? Glimmer I like to that. Glimmer. Yeah. Well, like for go. instance, I just finished the book um, by the brilliant um, Irish author Claire Keegan. I don't know if you know her, but she is. You know, look her up, and and it's small things like these. Um, she has two books, small things like these, and Foster. And I mean, if God isn't speaking through those two books, it's very subtle. It's 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 a glimmer but it just really touches your heart. And, um, and so that's just one of the myriad of ways that I feel like God is, is speaking. And I just, I just want to keep myself open to it. Unfortunately, I feel like, and maybe it's always been this way, but it feels really like this right now in, in the time and place that we're living, that it's very easy to get distracted. Mm-hmm. And to be more focused in on culture and less focused in on the things that the soul is interested in. Yeah. And um, I think that's where we kind of as a culture have become a little more weary, um, a little less hopeful, um, a little less sharp on looking for the glimmers because we're just really, we're, we're busy, we're distracted. I think we lose ourselves a bit. And so it goes all back to this, you know, intentional and sometimes, you know, unfortunately and fortunately, when we do get cut down at the knees, that is, that is when we kind of reset and we're like, oh my gosh, okay, I want to embrace this richer, uh, more sacred existence. I want my life to have meaning. I want it to serve a larger purpose. I want it to be filled with joy. And so I think a little bit, that's what soulful is. It's like this little nudge. Remember, you know, remember what your soul is trying to tell you, what to look for, how to live. It's not social media. It's not, you know, gosh, all the political mayhem in our country right now that makes us get so tight and tangled and feel like the world is a mean place when I really do think it still is a, um, a hopeful place. I agree. I agree. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I have this app on my phone and I'm not st- suggesting we need phones because they distract me a lot, but there's this app called Merlin. That's a, it's, it, it, if you, tr- if you have it running, it'll tell you all the birds in your area. So I go on my oh, back Merlin. deck and yeah, you know about it. And well, I do only because we, um, we were somewhere this summer and it was the strangest thing because these birds were singing, I mean, at the top of their lungs at one o'clock in the morning. 
pitch black dark. And we were like, what in the world is going on? And um, it was nightingales, Mm. springtime nightingales. And, And so my husband looked it up on Merlin. There you go. So yes. So I was out on my deck you know, listening and I'm like, oh my gosh, look, there's a morning dove. There's a, there, there's a woodpecker even there. And I was having this moment of, wow, God, this is amazing. And then my dog, one of my dogs just threw up on the deck. So <laughs> there's the imperfect part, right? There's the imperfect. <laughs> For him, it was fine. He was, he didn't care. For me, it's like, I got to clean this up now. So <laughs> yes, it's the imperfection in the midst of the glory, the, in the, in the glimmer. There you go. <laughs> so we talked about <laughs> minds. Let's talk about bodies because another important aspect of our living soulfully, I mean, we are, we are souls who we reside in these bodies and bodies are important in Christian history. We haven't always been great about the body, sometimes even really bad about how we view the body. But I love how your book uh, um, takes the body very seriously and, you know, even, even cookies and tea and things like that. But you write about the body. Why, why did you want to make that such an important part of soul care? Well, I mean, the soulful life is such an experiential experience. And so we experience it in a large way with our bodies, with our senses. Right. Um, and it also, that's like the first point of entry to have, you know, a deeper experience of, of this world. I mean, whether it's, you know, I do, I have um, what I call the soul joys throughout the book. There are 52 of them and they are ways that you can bring or encourage your body to have that deeper soulful experience. It's anything from, I mean, for me, you know, cooking and setting a table and, and filling the table with as many people as possible. That is a, that is a very soulful experience for me. You know, I, uh, from the Christian tradition, I I believe the table is, has the opportunity to afford you a a, a transcendent experience. Um, I think that's why Jesus used the table and it was such a, uh, important part of his ministry in his life was the table, gathering people around and something more sacred happens than just what, what you're eating. But the food is what brings us to the table. And so, and, and the tasting of the food and the clinking of glasses and, and the napkins in our laps and the laughter and, and all that takes place around the table is a very big experiential body first experience. But I also, you know, I talk about it's, you know, for me, I need to be in nature every single day. And I really, you know, as I've gotten older, I, I make it a priority. And a lot of times I com- I combine that with movement, but getting out in nature is, is really important. I also, you know, I think that in the busy life that I lead, I have to be even more intentional about inviting peace. And I laugh because I had my checkup and I hadn't had a physical checkup since before COVID. And I had it, uh, you know, like eight months ago and the doctor, I guess, knowing, you know, how busy I am and doing all these things and the six kids, he said, you know, the only, the only thing that you have to do, this is the prescriptive when you leave the office today is you have to carve out 10 minutes of peace every single day, Farrell, where you stop, you don't do anything. And, and so in the book, I coined that have a monastery experience in Grand Central Station Mm. because my life is Grand Central Mm -hmm. Station and I wouldn't change that because really beautiful life happens in Grand Central Station. But I also know that for me to be a person of peace and, and, and a person of hope and to feel not deflated, I need to have these little monastery experiences. And, you know, I, 
I'm, I'm, I'm more spinning top than kneeling monk, if I'm honest. <laughs> and so I have to do stuff like, you know, go and prepare a cup of tea, sit down with my cup of tea, and I just enjoy that. And maybe mm-hmm. it's, you know, five minutes. It works, though. Yeah. It really does. It really works. And, um, you know, a real big part of my spiritual life has always been, and it kind of started when Charlie had cancer, kind of as a, um, you know, save my life um, tool was to read the Psalms. Oh, yeah. I really, you know, they're just, a, there's several that I I know by heart, but I, I love just the meditative practice of, of reading the Psalms. And then, you know, a little breathing exercise here and there is kind of important as a mother of six children. For sure. I well, definitely need a little bit of that in my yeah, life. Right. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, we're not machines. So, I mean, we're, we're organisms. So if we're talking about our mind, we're also talking about our body. We're talking about our body. We're talking about our mind. We're, our spirits, our souls, we're all integrated. So I, I, that's what I love in the book. You, you treat me, you treat the reader as a, a whole person. And I think that's just so uh, wonderful. So there's a quote you have, uh, um, you quote Arthur Brooks, and I've, I've read his stuff um, because I teach a class on the good life that all students have to take at this university. Which I love that, actually. So, yeah, That's kind like, of like Miroslav Volf's. He teaches a class similar to that, doesn't he, at Harvard? Uh, Yale, actually, yeah. Yale. And actually, okay. I, I, I worked with Miroslav's people, actually, a couple summers oh, ago. Um, lucky you. Yeah, I know. Very lucky me. Um, so, but yeah, but Arthur Brooks, he's written a lot and worked a lot in that area. He teaches actually at Harvard. Well, here's the quote from page four of the book. Uh, you talk about Arthur Brooks and he says that culture tells us to love things, use people and worship ourselves. Our souls tell us the exact opposite. Beautiful lives happen when we use things, love people and worship the divine. Oh man, that's good stuff. So let's, let's riff on that. That's good. Talk well, about that a bit. I mean, I, you know, I, even just right now with the book coming out and, and the, the importance of, you know, or the encouragement of doing social media and, and I, I do think that we have to be so careful about cultural values um, because I think, at least for me, it can sometimes feel like sandpaper on my soul. You know, just watching my children, you know, I didn't grow up with any of this. So this is all new for me, which is really a blessing because I'm a little more clunky with it. But my children, this is all they know. And, um, and I feel that, that real rub, like it doesn't feel right. And um, I feel that they're, they're missing out on, on what it's really all about. Yeah. And what it's really all about is getting right back to that, those body, mind and spirit experiences that I just don't think we can have in a culture that's telling us to, you know, lift up ourselves, achieve, achieve, achieve. Oh, you're wonderful if you're really busy. And, and I just think that we end up feeling really empty and lost and frightened and kind of feeling like our culture is, is mean and we're not quite sure what to do with it. Yeah, absolutely. It is. I mean, he, he's spot on, isn't he? Because th- that is our culture. It tells us to love things. And I see this in undergraduates and I ask them like, well, what, what do you want in a good life? And immediately they're just like, well, money, you know, I just, I want to have a house. I want to have a car. I want to have, it's built into the culture. The culture is just screaming at us, you know, love things, use people, whatever that means and worship yourself. And I see that so much that 
pull, but that leads to soul death, really, I think. And yet you're saying the beautiful life is no, use things. Things aren't bad. Things are there. Enjoy them, but love people and worship if you worship the divine, just it's, it's, it's such a good way well, you use the word reset. It's like, let's, let's start every day resetting with that then. Cause the culture is going to scream at us the way that Arthur Brooks says it's going to, but you know, reading your book is one of the ways that I was able to sort of, no, let's re- let's reorient, reset, recenter. Well, and I, I'm listening to your podcast about the good life. You know, I thought to myself, I, I made a little note to myself. I wonder what his students would say if if you ask them um, about living a more sacred existence, mm, mm-hmm. you know, like the sacred life versus the good life, would they even understand what that means? And I and, and I think I think we maybe that's part of what um, your podcast is doing, and what I'm hoping to do in the book too is to is reintroduce to the world the, wor- the word sacred, mm-hmm. and and us trying to have a deeper, richer, more sacred experience. And yeah. you're never going to get that on a screen. No, it's no. It's just never going to happen. And, um, you know, I, I have this chapter in the book, I think it's maybe chapter two about um, Eden, this experience of, of, of Eden on the inside. And I say, you know, if I ever substitute social media for actual hugs and kisses and face-to-face I love yous, then I'm out of Eden. <laughs> yeah. And um, and I think that is, you know, I really am trying to impress upon my kids and I have to model it too. Let's be here and 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 together and present. And in all of this, you know, the cultural part of it, the social media, all of that, you know, is we just touch that every now and then, but it's not defining us. Oh man, that's good. That is and, so good. And orienting our lives. And I listen, I say this and then I'll be the first person that runs into the kitchen in the morning to get my cup of coffee and check my phone. <laughs> and and so I have to be so careful about that because if my kids see me doing that the first thing that I do in the morning, then obviously that's going to be the first thing that they do in the morning. Right, right. Absolutely. Yeah. It's the challenge, right? Technology's here. It does bless us. It can be used. Well, people are listening to this podcast on technology, so it can right. do wonderful things, but it can also really take over and and be harmful. But let's talk a minute about music because you you do talk about music. Uh, music's been big for me in formation. Well, I come from Nashville. Exactly. That's right. <laughs> um, no, music is, you know, for me, it's it's my opportunity to have tra- a transcendent experience here on Earth. It really. Um, you know, I am a huge fan of Vivaldi and um, oh, me I, love, too. I love all music, but something about Vivaldi's Four Seasons. And I don't know if it's the first time that I heard it was a, a moment where I really needed to be filled and it filled me. And so now whenever I hear it, it's like a touchstone for me. Oh my gosh, I feel it dropping into every cell of my body. But this past week, I got to hear Vivaldi's Four Seasons and it's just, I mean, there's you mean live music. It, you mean, yes. I yeah. heard it, And it was, it was tremendous. It was as good as it's ever been. And, um, but listen, I, I can have that same experience at the Bluebird Cafe in Nashville, Tennessee, down the street <laughs> with a singer songwriter who's a genius 
who's just playing, you know, has got strum in his guitar and we're all singing along to work to songs that we know. Mm. And that has that same, uh, where you just feel good about the world. Yeah. Right. Yes. You just feel like, okay, maybe it's not all so bad. This is, I'm touching beauty right now. And, um, I say somewhere in the book that an inch of beauty a day will save us. And, and I think it's true. It's, it's, it just lifts us something that soul just lifts inside of us when we hear music. I agree. And I, I often say, well, it's not me. It's actually Hans Urs von Balthasar who said the transcendentals never travel separate. So if you see beauty, you also see truth and goodness. If you see goodness, it's beautiful and it's true. And so oh, they, gosh, they go I together. Yeah. That's a good quote. Yeah. Well, I mean, and, when, and what's all, that's good. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And what's all country music, but what three chords in the truth already said, isn't, isn't that the definition <laughs> of country music? So well, listen, I was at the Bluebird with um, some friends about, you know, four weeks ago and Marv Green, who is like a little local legend here, songwriter. And, and he started the first three chords on his guitar and the entire place started singing his song. And I think it was Amazed was the song, but um, I mean, it was, he could not have, you would never have heard him, all of our voices in unison, all of us from different places, you know, in Nashville, lots of tourists coming in now. So, I mean, it was just like, oh, it was a transcendent experience, all mm. of us feeling it together. That's so cool. That is so cool. Well, let's talk about uh, Kintsugi. I haven't talked about that on this podcast, but that that uh, Japanese word, well, I'll let you explain what it is because you have a section on that in the book that's really good. And I've read some books on it and I'm fascinated by the concept. So yeah, it's just a really beautiful image, you know, that we can translate into our own lives. So in the 15th century, um, these Japanese shoguns would um, they'd send off their broken chipped pottery to China and um, where they would have like used, used staples like um, silver staples. They said, you know, a little more luxurious, let's, let's fix it with gold, like real gold. And so the pottery would come back more beautiful for having been broken. And I, I just love and I see it. I mean, I just, I have so many examples of people in my life um, who have crossed my path, um, people that I know dearly and strangers who are more beautiful for having been broken. Yeah. And they are, I think it's the um, psychologist, Elizabeth Kubler-Ross. She said, beautiful people don't just happen. And you know, I just, when we, when we agree to be healed with God's help, with our friend's help, with the church's help, with our community's help, with our own little hopeful spirits willing to say, I'm going to keep looking forward, we are transformed and we are these more radiant, beautiful creatures. I don't know. I think it's one of one of those really genius, beautiful, creative things that our creator, you know, gosh, yes, you might get broken here, but if you hang on and you allow yourself to heal, I'm going to make you more beautiful. 
Yeah, it, it it is. It's just such a great image, right? The oh, the, the pot gets broken image. and we're all is lost. No, let's put it back together, but let's put it together with the gold. And now it's going to be not only beautiful but stronger, like than than it yeah, ever was. Stronger. And so I mean. that that combination, and I just I love the metaphor of of Kintsugi. It's ah, it's really good. So I was so glad when you when you wrote about that in the book. Well, Farrell, this book is great. I I encourage our listeners to get it. It's called Soulful. Uh, by Farrell Mason, F-A-R-R-E-L-L. Mason is normal, right? Like the jar, M-A-S-O-N. Yes, Mason jar. <laughs> <laughs> Farrell Mason, soulful. It is such a good book and is going to be, I, I love how you talked about, I hope this book is like one of those recipe books that just has stains on it and is around. <laughs> uh, mine already has a little bit of a stain, so that's good. I, I know that'll make you happy. Oh yeah, a little matcha green tea stain. That's exactly. That would make me happy. Yeah, I'll send a picture <laughs> that through social media. No. Yeah. <laughs> well, Farrell, thank you for being on the Things Above podcast. What a joy. Oh gosh, this has been a joy for me. Thank you so much. What a meaningful right. conversation. So I really appreciate it. All right. Bless you. Thank you. I hope you join me next time. Until then, you can find me on Twitter and Facebook at James Brian Smith. And you can learn more about this podcast. And if you'd like to donate to the Things Above podcast, you can do so on our website, apprenticeinstitute.org. Click the Donate Now button at the top of the page. It's really easy, and it would mean a lot to me. If you enjoyed this episode, please share with a friend, and you can also subscribe, which means you're going to get them automatically each week. My hope, as always, is that one day if you're asked, what's on your mind? Your answer will be, Things Above. <laughs>